From savannahnow.com, I'm Adam Van Brimmer, and this is The Commute. On this, the first episode of 2022, development news is top of mind in the new year. An Aldi's, not a Trader Joe's, is proposed for the site long home to the Johnny Harris restaurant, and Chatham County voters will weigh the virtues of a penny sales tax for transportation projects. Savannah Morning News reporter Zoe Nicholson, who covers growth and development, is today's guest. Today is Tuesday, January the 4th, and this is a Commute Podcast. Happy New Year. We'll talk about that new grocery store, new apartment building, and newer roads and bridges with Zoe Nicholson right after a word about the Commute's favorite local business, National Office Systems. If you are a regular listener to the Commute, you know all about Scott Center and his team over at National Office Systems and how they are Savannah's experts in office design and outfitting. They work with top quality suppliers such as Dirt Modular Interiors, and Herman Miller Office Furniture to create comfortable and productive workspaces. Learn more by visiting www.natoffsys.com. Now, here's the discussion with Zoe Nicholson. We're starting off the new year right by having journalist Zoe Nicholson join us today on the commute. Of course, we knew we weren't going to ease into this new year. We have some, some big things on the horizon from the arena opening next week. The legislative session getting underway next week. Uh, some uh, obviously January sixth anniversary is coming up. It's going to be a big news day. But Zoe kind of got a head start on us with a couple of items that involve development and infrastructure, and two that are particularly interesting to those of us here in Savannah is the idea of a another transportation penny sales tax referendum, which. We learned before the new year was the county was going to float it on the uh, potentially float it and put it on the ballot for the primary election in May. And then also she was able to get a hold of some development plans and some documents that were formed that were filed with the Planning Commission about the old Johnny Harris site, which for most of us that have lived here for a while has been a saga. Uh, Johnny Harris closed five years ago, more than five years ago. And of course, that site was looked at as. Uh, a lot of people thought it was going to be Trader Joe's. There was a lot of other uh, various rumors that went around. I think with, with Whole Foods going in just down the street, it was looked at as a corridor that was really going to explode from the commercial development standpoint. And then it sat vacant. And uh, now we at least see some plans. I know there's a lot of uh, hurdles to clear in those plans. So Zoe, let's start right there. I know they want to put 280 or so apartment com- apartments on there, which we need. And Mm -hmm. also an Aldi. So it's not a Trader Joe's. It's not a whatever fresh market or whatever kind of, uh, for lack of a better word, yuppie um, food outlet. It's an Aldi's. Uh, What what kind of jumps out at you about this this whole project? Um, Well, it's an interesting piece of property. So the developers have kind of bought up 16 parcels of land that starts at Victory Drive and then it goes all the way back towards uh almost towards Truman so it's gonna be kind of like a shotgun property um and it'll be pretty dense and um one thing that stuck out to me is you know it is gonna be kind of this new piece of high density development that's in between you know we think of like Whole Foods and there's Zoe's Kitchen and all of that and that's pretty high density but then on the other side of this property it's 
uh, there. I think there's an old horse farm out there, an old right. um, a yeah, barn. Salvation and, Army property. Yeah. Mm-hmm, single family residences. So it is definitely pushing high density development and a lot more traffic closer. And that was something a lot of the neighbors um, spoke out about at city council was uh, just densifying the neighborhood um, and, you know, fears around traffic. Um, You know, some business owners were for that because, you know, it's going to bring at least 280 more cars. Um, And, um, but some, you know, were, were not approving of that or of, you know, other aspects of the development, but um, Aldi supermarket would be great because it is a budget supermarket and um, the only kind of uh, affordable supermarket in that area is Kroger, which I feel like gives me a stress headache every time I go in there, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, That parking lot and that store are a challenge. Yes. Yes. Um, But the, yeah, the 280 apartments, that is what they're allowed to do. The max number of units they're allowed to do is zoning that they went for. Um, but we'll know a lot more when the development site plans come through. Um, and that was a stipulation to getting approval from city council was to submit development site plans. So the Metropolitan Planning Commission will see those, I'm assuming sometime this year, but with these types of projects, you never know the timeline. Certainly a variable, very desirable location being that close to Def and Park. And, and as you mentioned, a lot of, of retail, not just at Aldi's, but existing retail right there, whether it's whether it's Whole Foods or, um, or some of the restaurants, uh, IHOP and, and Seasons of Japan, I'm probably going to leave some out as I rattle them off. But there, there is a lot of, it, it seems like a mixed use site would be, uh, would be appropriate there. But when you're talking about 280, you're also talking about parking. Is, is there any plans for garage? Have they shared any kind of thoughts on what they plan to do with all those cars when they're not driving up and down the road? I did not plans for a garage so I would assume it's you know normal apartment type of space parking um I know that they were going to that was one of the major sticking points where the um ingress and egress was going to be um and they've already done a traffic study and correct me if I'm wrong go back and dub over my voice if I'm getting this but it would it would be several hundred cars per day that are going to be added to rush hour times on victory drive right there. Um, and you know, as you know, that, that light, you know, right there near Zoe's kitchen is already kind of dangerous with people doing U-turns and all of that. So, um, I think the traffic discussions are still going to come up. Um, and then they're also wanting to promote, you know, other forms of transportation. So there'll be sidewalks all through the property and then they will be extending the Truman Linear Parkway from where it ends at the Truman to Daffin Park. So that will be a plus for, you know, recreationalists um, on the backside of the property though. Yeah, biking and walking, certainly. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've been here long enough to remember when uh, the, the Pontiac dealer was there where the, the Whole Foods is. And I remember the fight back then when they were going to take out the Pontiac dealer and they bought some other neighboring properties and behind it. And there was a lot of back and forth on how that was going to be situated on the property. It was a lot of, a lot of discussions you were hearing now or her back then. And it's, you know, obviously it's resolved itself. I think most people would think that the way they got it set up now is, is pretty acceptable in terms of traffic flow and, and parking, but 
again, what's different about this one is what you mentioned, which is 280 apartments. Um, I did read also that uh, one of our older women is on, that is a representative of the planning commissioner. She was there and talked about wanting to get some affordable housing because these 280 units are market rate housing, which uh, again, does not address right. something that you've been covering quite extensively. And that's the lack of, of uh, apartments for rent for, for low income Spaniards. Right. So that was um, Otter Woman at Large, Alicia Likely. Likely. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so she mentioned there is a few parcels of city-owned property around the development in question. And, you know, she put out there, you know, if they're not going to go this affordable housing route, could we use this property to either make it part of the development or, you know, build our own affordable housing there? And so that's definitely a conversation that um, city manager Jay Melder said that he would look into those types of allowed uses and what that could potentially look like to develop affordable housing on city property. Um, And, you know, this development kind of squeaked by because Jay Melder was also tasked with uh, drafting an inclusionary zoning ordinance, which would require new developments. Typically how other cities do it would require new developments to have some form of affordable housing units within their overall project, but, um, you know, this project has already been rezoned, so would get, would get grandfathered in on anything, unless, you know, developers want to play ball. I'd be curious to see if maybe the developers on the back end come in and include some affordable housing, just as a, a little bit of a nod to that. I don't know, that would be nice. I know that the, the developer and uh, their attorney has met with residents and the um, elected officials of that area several times to, to hear their complaints. So, you know, you know, the door never closes. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's turn now to T-Splast. Uh, as, as you and I have discussed uh, in recent weeks, this is, this is a little bit deja vu for me. I remember when the T-Splast was on the ballot here the first time in 2012 and, and failed pretty convincingly, 57 to 43, at least in Chatham County. Back then, the T-Splost was a multiple county, I think 10 or 11 counties. And uh, overall, I think it was 57, 43 against here. And I think that was pretty much what it was more broadly or in that, in that neighborhood. I know some of the projects uh, were in the documents that you had, at least the ones from the, from the county. It involved a lot of road widening, uh, involved the, the airport interchange at I-95, which has been talked about quite a bit in the last year. It's obviously a huge project. I think uh, what you had was $43 million toward that. Mm -hmm. Uh, The state and the airport are going to be kicking in money as well. Um, As you, as somebody who was here in 2012, what have you found kind of interesting about the T-SPLOST and and what do you think uh, the readers uh, or what have you already heard from the readers Mm -hmm. in terms of, of how they feel about this idea of a referendum for another penny sales tax? Well, it does feel like a bit I opened a Pandora's box there because uh, when I, I did the story last week, I wasn't aware of all of the, the baggage that came with um, T-Splast. But, um, you know, from what I've seen, it it just gives me pause as a journalist and someone who's naturally wary of a government that they're getting such a long time frame to collect these taxes and um, you know, the public's, you know, attention can wane. So, you know, if there aren't people paying attention and, and demanding that these projects keep getting updated or, or people get these updates on the projects, you know, I feel like a lot of things will be able to fall by the wayside. But that being said, 
I think it's really important to build up a lot of infrastructure out in West Chatham. If you look at planning commissions, um, countywide and municipalities, the number of subdivisions that are being approved in West Chatham right now, it's probably in the thousands, I would guess, um, number of single family townhomes and apartments that are coming. So, you know, I think road widenings and resurfacings are desperately needed and it's better to be proactive than reactive because then, you know, you get more cars on the road and you're going to be That's sitting right. in construction traffic. Yeah. Yeah. And the interesting thing about this is, is, is where they went wrong in 2012 was they had too many projects that were very, very specific in certain geographic areas. You know, the T East Floss is a good example and Sploss is a good example. They are penny sales. They are exactly similar to T Sploss or exactly what they would be. But when you look at the project lists that were built for that is they sprinkle, they look for projects that will have community-wide or county-wide impact. And then the ones that don't have county-wide impact, they make sure they sprinkle those around so that they can get some support. So as we start to get our hands on the list for T-SPLOST for this, that's, that's being put together now and is going to be started to be debated, I think, later this month or at least discussed in public meetings, It'll be interesting to see what projects are on there because in 2012, quite frankly, they did a very, very poor job of that, and that's why it failed. So uh, I, I, I say that just as uh, educational for everybody. But another thing that was on that list is uh, CAT, and I don't know how many, how much details they had in terms of money to go for CAT, uh, or is that something that's still being? Developed? I think it was about four million dollars. Um, you know, I guess. You know, to us, that's a good chunk of change. But, you know, looking at the needs of the residents, who, the cat needs to be expanded countywide. And so it's going to take that's going to take a whole lot more overhaul. But, um, yeah, the in terms of they, they have a pretty, I'll say solid, but they have a plan. Um, Chatham County does, at least in this presentation I got a hold of. Um, so all the municipalities and the county will have a first meeting on this on January 19th. And then, um, you know, through the intergovernment agreements, um, everyone is going to kind of, you know, divide and conquer. The county wants all the municipalities to, you know, take their districts and have open meetings or have town halls or workshops um, to get so I guess, you know, you can reach some type of consensus, know what you're doing heading into the ballot. Um, but, you know, being on the May ballot is another thing because yeah. historically not many people show up for those. Yeah, it is a primary election. Um, it'll be interesting because, yes, historically it's it's a little bit lighter. But I think this year with what's going to be on the ballot, especially uh, on a Republican side, you're going to have some some very heavily contested statewide elections. I wouldn't be surprised to see the turnout be strong. Also, I think it's important to, to point out to people that this would be an eighth penny. This would be a, a, another percentage on your sales tax. So unless you're buying groceries, you're going to pay this, this 1%. If this passes, you're going to pay an extra 1% on all of your purchases. And uh, I'd be curious to see how that is received. Of course, East Blast was renewed last fall uh, pretty overwhelmingly. So people didn't mind that seventh penny. We'll see how they feel about the eighth penny. Um, but as you said, so the, the next step for this is, is the public, is the, is the discussions or public meetings been set or are these more just uh, discussions amongst the, the, the officials? 
Um, I think that they're going to be, the January 19th will be public meetings. Um, and uh, I guess, you know, word starts to get out on that. Uh, this presentation was, you know, done right before the holidays. So things might have changed in the in the craziness of the last few weeks. But um, it, it's something that is going to be sent out to every single municipality from Savannah to uh Vernonburg and Thunderbolt and Bloomingdale. So yeah. everyone's got to participate. Um, it's a countywide thing. Right. And I'm going to tease people. As, as Zoe's story about T-Sploss went up today, we're going to have another story that goes up tomorrow morning that looks back at 2012. I think people are going to be surprised to see how many of the big key projects in 2012 have actually gotten done, even though T-Sploss failed. And it'll be interesting to see how people kind of connect the dots there. Obviously, you have, you have money coming from other sources, the state doing some. I think a couple of them were part of uh, splossed referendums that have been had since then. So uh, they tend to find a way to get these transportation projects done. But certainly the whole idea of having a, a funding source that people not from Savannah pay into, which is that's whenever they talk about a splossed or a penny sales tax, what they talk about is we have such an influx of visitors here. They are paying somewhere between 35 to 40 percent of the money raised comes from out of towners. So that's however many millions or tens of millions of dollars that is coming from the outside is not coming from the pockets of the property owners or people within the county. So uh, we will see how that uh, line of reasoning goes. I know you can't wait. Uh, let's get those bachelorette you... parties uh, pennies. Let's get them. <laughs> <laughs> I know you can't wait. I think this is your first uh, sploss, uh, first taste of sploss. So. I'm ready. I'm ready to uh, run the gauntlet. Right. See what happens. Right. Well, thanks so much for coming on and and, and filling us in on some of the details. And uh, we look forward to talking to you. I'm sure that uh, as May 24th approaches, certainly T-Splost will be an issue. And then, of course, Johnny Mercer will track that situation as well. But Johnny Mercer, Johnny Harris will track that situation as well. But thanks so much for coming on. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much for having me. Other news of note in Savannah today, Savannah Chatham Public School students went back to the classroom on Tuesday, even as the COVID-19 Omicron variant leads to a spike in infections. In an op-ed published Monday, school superintendent Ann Levette said the district's goal is to keep all schools open for the rest of the year. Elsewhere, the Savannah Music Festival Board of Directors has officially named Gene Dobbs Bradford as the internationally acclaimed festival's new executive director. Bradford led Jazz St. Louis for 23 years and starts in Savannah in February. The 2022 edition of the Savannah Music Festival runs from March the 24th to April the 9th. And in sports, the Georgia Bulldogs will play for college football's national championship on Monday, January the 10th. The Bulldogs dominated the Michigan Wolverines in a semifinal game on New Year's Eve and will face the Alabama Crimson Tide for the title. Georgia lost to Alabama in the SEC championship game last month. Read those stories and more at savannahnow.com, the online home of the Savannah Morning News. Get full access to Savannah Now and our mobile app for just $1 a month for the next six months. Go to savannahnow.com slash subscribe now and sign up. One more time, that's savannahnow.com slash subscribe now. That's all for the Tuesday Commute Podcast. Thanks again to our presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. For more interviews with local newsmakers, check out the Commute archives by searching The Commute with that Savannah Opinion. The Commute returns Thursday and features interviews with Congressman Buddy Carter and one of his 2022 election opponents, Wade Herring. Thursday is the one-year anniversary of the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, an incident that will define the upcoming race between the two Savannians.
Thanks again for listening. And again, one more time, happy new year. Mm-hmm.